everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. The sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to the Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Robertson, your humble and obedient host, joining you for another episode of The Sound of Sanity. Couldn't be happier to be here. Of course, I am the creative director of Warhorn Media, and my name is Nathan Alverson. I'm here to say I like to record episodes in a special way. Special way. That's right. Sitting over there in his chair, it's Jake Menzel. What's up, Nathan? He doesn't care. He does care. He cares deeply. He's the pastor. That's what I do. Associate pastor of Clear Note Church. He is a, not just a, but the CEO of Warhorn Media. Very important guy. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and over there. It's me. Forming the third triangle in our little, uh, we're like a triangle. We're like one I'm piece. A little, I'm a little bit obtuse. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, note to self, edit that part out. We got the Ben Solzer. He's my, my personal assistant. I'm... I'm a personal being, <laughs> and I am an assistant, but I'm a production assistant. He's a production can... assistant of Warhorn Media. He's over there. Now, before we move forward, Ben, I, we should say, as you know, the last Tuesday of every month, we're doing a movie, right? Yes, I know. In the fine month of January, it's a cold, blustery month of despair, depression. The heart's ebb is low, and I feel like we need to give people something that'll make them happy and oh. joyful. Maybe... Something with children and singing people and, and animated horses and stuff that come into frame with the real actors. And I, I don't know. Just that might be good. Yeah. Just thinking of thought. elements like that. You know, personally, I like uh, if it was if it had some funny parts because I love to laugh. Huh. Uh, you know, long and loud and clear. Okay. Yeah. And if it had like chimney soot, that that was like chimney a plot, soot is it, one of like the a, number one things I look for in a movie. Okay. And so few deliver. What if it had like an egregiously bad slash funny British accent somewhere in the mix? I love egregiously bad slash funny British accents. Huh. That sounds good. We just got to think of a movie that has all of these huh. elements. Kites, too. I love kites. Kites? Um, if it could have, huh. now this might be a stretch. I'm. We're probably not going to be able to think of a movie that has all these elements, but Penguin huh. Waiters, animated Penguin Waiters. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. If it had that and women's lib, I mean, I would, I would, I would talk about it immediately. I'd watch it, and we would talk about it next week. Women's I'd just be, I'd be all in. We're famous for our our, our discussions about women's lib. It's just what we do. It's what we do on 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 Sound of Sanity. Well, what could we do? 
Huh, let's see. You know, I don't think we're going to be able to think of a movie like that. Oh, that's too bad. But if we do, we'll be sure to watch it and talk about it. Yeah. Guys, let's get right into it. We are still talking about content overload. Previously on Sound of Sanity, we discussed content overload. The fact that there's a lot of content out there to try and pick and choose between. You got your streaming services, your Netflix, your Spotify, your music, your movies. You have access, basically, if you want to, to everything that's ever been recorded music-wise, to all the movies. How do you sift through it? How do you find what's worthwhile? Is it a first world problem? Why, yes, it is. We can talk about those two from time to time, but it's a real problem for people. It's certainly a place that I feel insane. Jake, you feel insane about this, as you told sure. us? Sure. I get kind of tired of <laughs> finding my own path with yes. that sort of thing. <laughs> like, I just want somebody who is smarter than me to tell me what to watch or what to listen to. And a lot of the Spotify or whatever that are good at introducing you to new things that you like, well, that's great if you can seed them with a broad range of things, but they're they're going to find a, a groove right. for you and they're not going to expose... You're going to have to go looking for things outside of your comfort zone. So instead of trusting the robots, what we ended up saying last week is that you've got to find people to trust. So let's trace very quickly what we said last week. We basically made the case. So you've got the two kind of extremes on other side. The one extreme in terms of content curation, as we'll call it, finding worthwhile stuff. The one way is to Submit yourself entirely to authority or to have an authority force you to submit to it such that you're told what to like. And you're only exposed to the things that authority exposes you to. Right. The other ex- opposite extreme is pure anarchy. Everybody gets to do whatever they want, forge their own path, find their own destiny. Hooray, hurrah, America. Liberté. Liberty, equality, fraternity for all. You just do what you want. So you've got those two extremes. Uh, we ended up saying that it's right to have mediating authorities that are in between those two extremes. Right. <laughs> People we look to. Sounds moms obvious and, Yeah. Moms and dads and pastors and elders and teachers and professors. and That help form experts. our taste and tell us what to like and what not to like. And well, we, But we also talked about how it's not working. That's not really happening. People don't know how to think, and no one's apparently teaching them how to think. Right, and Ben made the case in his stirring defense against the devil last week that, you know, it's a lot like the Reformation, you know? Uh, Suddenly the people had the responsibility to read the Bible, and they had it in their hands. And, you know, yes, they should still submit to authorities, but maybe not to the authority of one pope. Instead, they should submit to the authority of elders and pastors, and also they should be responsible to read the Bible, to know what it says. Authority and responsibility both, and they have to work in harmony, and blah, 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 and Ben said it, and it was all stirring and everything. But then the obvious argument against that is, yeah, thousands of people died in the Reformation because they couldn't actually figure out how to make that work, and the peasants revolted, and things got burned down, and people got killed, and suddenly th- authority was decentralized, and sure, if the authority was bad, that's good, but when the, when you decentralize authority, sometimes that just turns into anarchy, too. How do you make it work? And maybe the reformers didn't even do that good of a job of making it work. This isn't a history podcast. I don't know. And we really don't have time to talk about that. I'm sure they did a fine job, folks. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just being provocative for the beginning of the podcast, okay? Give me a, give me a little... Let me work with me here, listener. So you got that. How do you make it work? How do you find stuff worthwhile? How do you choose who you're going to submit to? How do you find those authorities? How do you keep those authorities from being tyrants? Have I adequately summed up where we left off? Yeah, I think you have. All right. (laughs) Fun fact about you, Ben. You're a moron who's (laughs) super stupid and nerdy. Tell us more about that. (laughs) 
And that concludes fun facts <laughs> about. <laughs> I mean, we we can say our desires and our our tastes and what we consume should be shaped by scripture and what God tells us and teaches us is true and beautiful and good as it reflects his character. That's true. What that means and what that actually looks like, where the rubber meets the road, that's that's difficult. And we need help. So how do we get that kind of help? Right. There are basically two ditches that people fall into, I guess, in, in trying to figure that out. And that is, I just want to be told what to think. I don't want to do the work of thinking for myself. I don't want to have to mm-hmm. be discerning. I don't want to have to. That's hard. I would rather just have find the perfect teacher go through my life for me and just tell me, this is what you, you can or should watch or listen to and why and this is what you should take from it and why and just do all that that work for me and if he or she can validate most of what i already think great so much the better yeah and so then what you're left with is just a very lazy and immature way of approaching things on the other side is to say well don't don't look to anybody to tell you what to think just go learn how to think and ask questions and find people that who are going to challenge your assumptions. Well, I'm thinking of a very specific example of it. And I, there, and this is not a straw man. I've, 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 I'm thinking of somebody in particular. I know these people. There are the parents who are not going to, they're not going to force their kids to become Christians. They, they will expose them to Christianity. They will expose them to the Bible. They'll go to Sunday school, whatever. But they do not want to do the Holy Spirit's work for the Holy Spirit. What we don't want to do is impose our values on you. What we don't want to do is tell you what to think about anything at all. What we want to do is tell you how to think and then trust that you'll use those tools to be your own person and be your own citizen and do what you need to do. And hopefully if we've given you the good tools for how to think, you'll think well and come to some right conclusions. But we can't do that for you. You have to do that work yourself. The removal of authority, the removal of any kind of expectation that anyone should simply believe things because they're true, and the full agency given to self-will, self-determination, self-knowledge, mm-hmm. and the expectation that self-will, self-determination, and self-knowledge will actually result in, when given free reign and full reign, will result in good, will result in good thinking, will result in people coming to the right conclusions. Yeah. And I think all you have to do is meet somebody like that, and you'll know it's a, I can't say on a family podcast what it is, but it's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then where does that leave us? Somewhere in our favorite territory, insanity land. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in between. (laughs) The third way. The third way. So what's the third way, Jake? It really is both. You need people who tell you both what to think and how to think and who form your how in the context of the what. So they're setting before you good things and helping you to cultivate good tastes. Because the reality is, if you're left to yourself, you may only eat your McDonald's cheeseburger and you may never know the taste of steak. You may only go on making mud pies in the slum and never be taken on a trip to the sea. To use the famous C.S. Lewis thing. Yeah. And so you need people to introduce you to the sea. A part of teaching people how to think is teaching them to discern between the sea and the mud pies. And so you need you need a lot of the what in mixed in with the how. At a certain the, point, the what is absolutely inevitable. You cannot keep going turtle upon turtle upon turtle on a turtle back. At a certain point, the answer has to be because I told you so. Because at a certain point, that's the answer that God gives us. 
Right. Why is murder bad? Well, because it destroys someone made in the image of God. Why is it bad to destroy someone who's made in the image of God? Because, because it's an attack on the image of God himself. Which why is, is attack it bad on, to attack the image of like, God Because it's himself? an attack on God himself. Why is it bad to attack God? Because he's God. So right there, we've already pretty much got The final tautology in all of these is because God. Because God. Much as I resented it as a kid when I see parents pull the old, uh, because I said so, I think they're teaching their, their kids a valuable theological truth because that is actually what God does for us. We cannot use our mental faculties to reason our way into anything. So at a certain point, you just have to accept that certain precepts are true and you have to build off of those. Descartes says, I think, therefore I, I am. His final absolute is I think. How does he know he thinks? I mean, I've, uh, I don't, I'm not a philosopher, folks. I'm sure people have spent their lives solving this problem. My question is, how does Mr. Descartes know he thinks? Well, he says, I'm thinking about I think, so therefore I must be thinking. But I'm like, how do you know? You could just be in the dream of uh, some god somewhere is dreaming right now, and you're going to go up and smoke, Descartes, you moron. <laughs> Should have listened to Sound of Sanity, buddy. <laughs> so that pretty much takes care of old Descartes. Now, Jake... Just to sum up, the two ditches, you said there were two. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> On the one side, it's it's really leaning so hard into what to like, what to think about things that, that you you just uh, controlling what goes in, mm -hmm. it, it, what people consume, and you're telling them what to think about it. You're never actually equipping them to think discerningly about anything that they're going to hit up against Right, and you see this with parents who are pharisaical, who are yeah, telling, laying down, here's what you think about this and this and this and this, and here's why girls only wear dresses and do wear bonnets and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's the yeah, stereotype. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, that's sort of along the lines of what I, I was thinking as I was saying that, because you see kids that grow up in, in a, a very cloistered kind of situation where they're, you know, they're on the compound, and they get outside the compound and have to deal with real life. Anyone's ever taught them how to engage with this they only stuff. they only know what they think about X Y and Z and it's, it's never been challenged they've never had to own it they've never had to learn how to think they only have the things that they know that they believe and so as soon as they get out and are challenged nine times out of ten they crumble right because they they got nothing no leg to stand on on the on the other side of that you have the parents who are like we're just going to teach you how to think and sort of let you be a free spirit and what. I think actually ends up happening in, in those kinds of situations is kids don't actually learn how to think. Mm -hmm. They just learn how to feel and be committed to the things that they, that they like. And so they can develop a really strong sense of what they, what they like and what they're comfortable with. But to really be taught to engage with uh, objective truth and engage with people and the world as God made it, it requires both. Well, and it's, it, it might you might be thinking, folks, <laughs> how did we get here from content curation? Let me let me let me trace it for you because I think it, I think our conversation actually does make sense. You were thinking we lost the threads. Let me try and channel my inner Jake <laughs> and tie this all together for you. Um, uh... Why are we suddenly talking about parenting? Why are we talking about authorities? Why are we talking about learning? Because the people that curate our content for us. The people that tell us what music to listen to, what movies to watch, the critics, the tastemakers, the random internet bloggers that you read, whoever it is you look to to help define your taste and to help you sift through 
the mountain of content that you're overloaded with, that is someone who you're basically looking to as an authority. I mean, even if it's just a friend who's knows a little bit more about it or you happen to like the same stuff. So you're like, gee, I could probably learn learn about some cool stuff. You are in some sense looking at that person as an authority. And I think it's clarifying to think about what kind of authority they are and how they're expressing that authority. And once you start to think about that, you'll begin to see whether they're doing a good or a bad job and you will begin to see them fall into these ditches. I mean, just read any nerd website on the internet and you'll see the guy that doesn't want to pretend like there's any kind of objective value and he and he's not going to bother referencing or knowing about the history even. All he's going to do is describe basically at the end of the day a feeling. I went and saw Wonder Woman it made me feel good. Empowerment. Yay. She runs around in her underwear. She fights the Nazis. And and some of those people can actually be fun to read. There are people that are very skilled at describing their feelings in an evocative way. And it can be helpful for you to figure out how your feelings jive with them or how they're, you know, maybe they've, by describing their feelings, they're also describing your feelings. That's not, I'm not necessarily saying that's always bad, but that is how certain content curators, quote unquote, I guess we'll just call them content curators for lack of a better term for this episode, sure. are going to do it. And, and then there will be other people who will just lay down the law. Nerdy stuff, like an example I can think of is George Lucas ruined Star Wars with the last three movies. And if you are actually going to like Star Wars, then you may like only the original, not special editions, no computer generated stuff. If you listen to some of these, these Star Wars legalists, these Pharisees of Star Warsdom, and by the time they're done, you'll only be allowed to like 2.5 Star Wars movies. As a Star Wars fan, you can only actually like Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back and maybe some of A New Hope, but even then we've got to cut out the special edition stuff. So there's actually no available version of Star Wars that you can watch all the way through and just enjoy because George Lucas ruined our childhood. And in both cases, none of these people have actually learned to think and engaging with the material. Like if we're really trying to divide the the ditches that you're falling into, what you know, maybe they're not so easy to divide, but what we really ultimately want to say is you need authorities in your life that teach you how to think and how to engage. it give you the tools you need to engage discerningly mm-hmm. with the world and with all of the massive amounts of content that's out there, right. the, the music, the movies, or whatever. You need people who, who equip you with the tools for thinking about these things. And with the tools, I don't just mean like the mental chops, like there's like logic and how you like argue through things. But then there are also, uh, there's just stuff you need to know. So if you're going to watch a movie, you should know what a camera angle is telling you right. and how it's working on your emotions or your feelings, how it's influencing the way that you're perceiving what's going on on screen, just as like one, for instance. And so, you know what, if you don't know that intuitively, you're going to need somebody to tell you because there's a whole science out there of what camera angles do and how they impact the viewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't know that, then you don't know that you're being played. Right. And, and that's just that's just one tiny aspect of understanding film. Right. So you need people to help you and to equip you and to inform you of those kinds of things and then teach you how to engage with them actively and discerningly. If all you want is somebody to tell you, well, this is a good movie and this is a bad movie, you may be watching a good movie, but you're not learning to think and mm-hmm. you're not learning to be discerning. And so, yeah, what we want and what we need are good fathers who are good authorities who are pulling us into maturity, right? helping us learn to engage maturely. As a, you know, a little kid, 
a little kid does just need to be told, no, you can't watch that because that's bad. Right. But there's a progression, and at some point, that child needs to be shepherded into maturity and into the the ability to understand why that's bad and understand Mm -hmm. how they can learn from why that one thing was bad, apply that so things are going to hit in life. That's what the the experts and authorities, that's what we need from them. What we need from our pastors and elders is not just, here is a doctrine download every Sunday, but this is how to take God's Word and apply it to your life and apply it to the culture and the world around you. And that's always going to involve unpacking what God's Word says, but it's also going to involve really challenging you to think carefully and deeply about the implications of that, how it hits your conscience and how you have to engage with it on a day-to-day basis, how you have to engage with the world around you, because nobody can be there making your decisions for you. Right. That's why the Bible doesn't get into lots of specifics. Oftentimes, what the Bible wants, requires, is that you grow in wisdom. Oh, no! <laughs> the devil's advocacy alarm. Oh. oh, man, Jake, I really thought you had it there. <laughs> Sounded so amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'll be the devil. Because, yeah, I get what you're saying, but what we actually have today in the Reformed kind of hipster Christian young men world that we live in is a bunch of people that parade their discernment and basically use it as an excuse to engage with whatever they want and to yep. use it as an excuse for their feelings. At the end of the day, what you have is, by and large, what I see on Twitter, on Facebook, talking to young men at church, stuff like that, what I see is people saying exactly the kind of stuff that you just said. And anytime somebody says all that stuff, a red flag goes off because what that generally means is that that guy's about to tell me how Game of Thrones is exactly, actually a good yep. way to engage with the culture and yep. blah, 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 blah. It seems to me that maybe... What a lot of people need, I don't know, this this might sound, maybe the devil's being a little harsh here, but it, it kind of feels like we just have a generation of bratty kids who could stand to just be told, Game of Thrones is bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Who could be told what... <laughs> To think. People don't, I mean, yeah, it's it's great to talk what's, about. What's, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, what's amazing is how mature the response is when you do something like that. So you get like, I'm mature. I'm a grown up. I should, I can watch Game of Thrones in a mature way. No, you shouldn't do that. And then you see what you get is this bratty, like, what? You can't tell me what to do. I'm a. You can't bind my conscience. You don't bind my conscience. You and now I'm not. And I'm gonna block you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so with you don't know. You don't understand me, man. You don't get it. Like I'm so much. I, like if you knew who I was or what I. Th- if you whatever. Like and now I'm gonna block you. And it's like, dude. Yeah, actually, I do get it. And what you don't need is anyone flattering you, your discernment. You just need like a good old fashioned spanking, okay? Like just, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> shut up. I mean, and and so I, I get like in some idealized world, like we could all sit around Plato's Athens and we could discuss, <laughs> you know, the, the art and the culture and we could try and figure out like how the music and the movies and everything and how we engage with it. But by and large, everything that you just said almost 100% of the time across the board ends up getting used as an excuse by people to just feel their feelings, do whatever they want. And at a certain point, we just need to, you know, honestly, 
it's like, you know, if your six-year-old came and said, I've very discerningly uh, decided that I should have a cookie before dinner. And it's just like, no, spanking, stop. Right. The right and wrong, black and white. Game of Thrones is bad. Don't listen to rap music where they're uh, talking about molesting women and it's supposed to be cool. Uh, this, yeah. you know, let's just uh, bring some black and white back into the discussion. It, it, it seems to me that that's by and large what the world actually needs. We've, we're full of people that want to tell you how to think. We just need some good old fashioned what to think. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. I agree with you 100%. The, the problem, though, is that nobody's actually teaching anybody how to think. Right. <laughs> nobody's actually doing it. Nobody's bringing anybody up into maturity. What they're doing is waving their magic wand and saying, you're mature. Right. We're all mature now. We're all mature because we like bad things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what makes us mature. Right. Here, take and eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now that you know evil and have tasted evil, you are wise and mature. Right. Well, garbage. Right. Right. And nobody's willing to actually say garbage. Right. It's just teenagers, mm. right? Like, it's just teenagers. It's adolescent, teenage garbage. It's just a bunch of punk kids railing about their puritanical fathers or whatever. But it's punk kids in their 30s or punk kids in their... Well, yeah, because they never, grow, they never yeah. grew up. They've never been disciplined. They've never been made to actually think biblically about things and uh, required to face the holiness of God. And as soon as you say that to them, they're going to remember an experience they had in youth group in high school right. when they felt the holiness really, of God. really, felt it. So it's and really, really felt really it. True. And because they really felt it that one time for this one season of life, they're, they're somehow matured beyond it. Because it was hard it was hard to try to walk in holiness and you can't just walk in holiness because it's hard. And so, you know, they've made concessions and allowances in their lives for Christian liberty. Right. AKA not actually having to live by faith, try to walk in holiness. Right. And purity of life. And so uh, it ends up just being a bunch of garbage. Well, so as the devil, or maybe just as Nathan, I want to come back and say, for those people, don't you kind of have to start by not telling them how to think, but by simply giving them bloodlust is bad. Yeah, don't ab- watch absolutely. And, you, and then you have, to, and then you have to know that when you're going to do that, they're going to accuse you of being a wooden, stupid, Pharisaical, undiscerning binder of consciences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're not going to understand or want to understand that they. The, it's just the pride is abs- it's just through the roof. They think that they are at the pinnacle of wisdom. Mm. And so they think they've already dealt with wisdom. Mm -hmm. They think they've already dealt with you, and they haven't. And so, yeah, you have to come back and treat them like children for a while. But the goal of treating a kid like a kid is not for that kid to stay like a kid. No. So somebody comes into our church from the world, coming to faith in Jesus, they're addicted to porn and they're, uh, you know, they're watching crappy stuff and they're addicted to video games. Maybe what they need to do is just be told, no, throw your gaming system away. Uh, wouldn't necessarily do or say that. It's just very circumstantial, but just no, 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 no. What you need to do is you need to learn. Stop sucking in the filth of this world. Well, uh, well Jake, I'm thinking it would be great if, if you had a blog where you could just say this kind of thing, you know, just uh, in response to things you see on Facebook, just just, just tell people, hey, throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I think I think so. And like, hey, do you have you ever seen an episode of Game of Thrones? Okay, stop watching all modern TV shows. Stop. 
more. <laughs> well, that's because you're the guy that just wants to be told what to think. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no. I, <laughs> I, yeah, no, I'm aware of that. I'm not going to follow the that well, so, 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 yeah, so you have guys that then are, are like that, and they're just, like, happy to just be told what to do. They're so hungry for any discipline in their lives mm-hmm. that they latch on to the first manly dude with a big black beard who's going to, like, tell them no and say no to them and say yes to good things and no to bad yeah, things. Yeah, and then every, every hammer becomes, or every everything becomes comes a nail, you right. give him a hammer. And it's just a matter, I mean, this is why it's fathers. Right. Because every kid is different and every kid needs help growing into maturity in a way that is suited to their strengths and their weaknesses and their personalities. And that's why a lot of this work, it's not a top down, it's a bottom up kind of thing in terms of the authorities in our lives. It really is the mom and dad that God gave us. Mm-hmm. It really is our pastors and our elders. It really is even our, our friends that have expertise in particular areas that we really need to have helping us, disciplining us and 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 shaping us and teaching us how to think. I think that's a good place to start as you look for even just an internet content curator. Is something as simple as somebody to tell you who your music is or what music to listen to. Yeah, the what you want from them is to be able to look and see are they helping me mature in my understanding of music and what it's doing to Mm -hmm. me and how it worked. You know, you talk about Roger Ebert Mm -hmm. and how much Roger Ebert taught you about movies. Mm -hmm. And Ebert's like, in some ways, is sort of like the most mainstream vanilla critic out there. Sure. Right, but he he helped you understand some things about the way movies work and about the history of film. He wasn't afraid to have his personality be out there so that you just knew where he was coming from. What you had was a guy who was an expert in film mm-hmm. who was putting the cookies on a really low shelf mm-hmm. and this is what I think about this movie and why. And you have a, a guy saying, this is what I think and why. Well, that's somebody that you can, you know where where he's coming from. You know who he is and you know what you're dealing with and you can engage with that. Now you can engage with that undiscerningly and just be like, yes, I think whatever Roger Ebert right. thinks. Or Roger Ebert happened to think the same thing as me. I feel validated. But what I found with Roger Ebert was that now, Roger Ebert was a kind of a crusty, liberal, atheist kind of a guy. He wasn't ultimately a good man. But when it came to movies, he was pretty trustworthy. Like, I trusted him sort of to tell me, within reason, what to think and how to think about things. And he knew how, where to, how to draw the line well. Like, you know, he would say, like, well, you should just like Citizen Kane. If you don't like Citizen Kane, you're wrong. And then he would say, I liked this, and you might not, and that's okay. And he knew the difference. And... I knew I could kind of trust based on the way his knowledge, based on his understanding of the medium, based on how old he was and how long. I mean, he was writing about movies from the 1960s to the 2000s. So 40 years, half of movies history, this guy is around engaging with them. And he's also seen everything that came before him. So movies have been around for 100 years. He's been around for half of that time. And he's, you know, engaged with everything that came before He was somebody that I could trust. And I think that's what you have to look for in people. And it's going to start with people in your own life. I don't know. I guess the only other kind of piece of advice I'd give is you can't actually take, even though Roger Ebert wasn't a good man in some ways, I think he was a good man in other ways. And you can't take morality out of the picture. Yeah. Um, What Mm -hmm. the kind of man that Roger Ebert was mattered. Yeah. And you need to know that. And I'm not saying you just have to read like Christians on the arts because Christians can be pretty lame on the arts. Like, 
I think we all know the dirty secret that there's probably some pagans writing on the arts that's much more compelling than Christians, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. sit here and pretend like that's not true. But knowing where those pagans are coming from, right, and knowing and being able to discern, like, well, you know, he really loved this movie because he's deep down a, a, a nihilist who... Or he's accidentally a Christian. I mean, you can find those pagans who in their heart of hearts, understand the way that God made the world. And they're going to hell, and a lot of what they say is wrong, but they can also write some beautiful and God-glorifying things, and that's just one of the weird tensions of being alive in the world and engaging with art, I guess. But Roger Ebert was accidentally right a whole lot, and Roger Ebert didn't hold to his system of values in a coherent way. Sometimes he broke his system of values, and that was oftentimes when he was at his best and most trustworthy. You can find those people, I think. And so then we come back to the question that started this all off, which was, I got all this Netflix and all this Spotify and all this stuff. And I personally, I feel crazy. Right. Because I often don't know where to start. The only answer I've found is there are some people out there that I can that maybe I I found who can give me a little bit of guidance, but my best bet is always going to the people I love and trust. IRL. In real life. Mm -hmm. Talking to, like, there there are a lot of people in our church that are experts in music because the Jacob School of Music is a top two or three music school in the country, along with, like, Juilliard. Lots of people very savvy and sophisticated about music that I can just go to and talk to about all kinds of stuff. And I, everybody has that. I recognize that. But there are people that, you know, get music in a way that you don't. Guess who I go and talk to if I want to talk about movies? I talk to my friend Nathan, who has... Seen a lot of movies? Seen a lot of movies and thought a lot about movies and entertainment. I think one of the skills in life, just a life skill that will get you far, just whether you're trying to climb up the corporate ladder or be a good wife or whatever it is that you have to do in your life, one one valuable skill, and it, it ties into something that's an act of obedience and humility, but it's also just a valuable life skill. Find the people that are a little bit better than you, that are a little bit farther than you, make them your friend and learn from them and have the humility to recognize where they're better from you and to and to learn from them and to be shaped and the reason I say a little bit better is because we all I'm just I'm just being practical here I understand there's people that are way dumber than you wherever you're you are on the life trajectory they're not going to be very helpful and there's people that are way smarter than you and can't even talk the same language. And maybe they're just from a different era or whatever. I'm not saying that age really has anything to do with this. But you know what I mean? Like, find those people that are just a little bit farther, but that still can engage with you and and just have the humility to let them be better than you and to let them shape you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it can be emphasized enough that, like Jake said earlier, the point of engaging with the arts and learning how to think about them is actually to grow in godliness and wisdom. That is the goal. So one way that you know that Game of Thrones is not going to help you do that is that your flesh never seems to get put to death when you're watching Game of Thrones. It just uh, keeps on going no matter what insights or sublime experiences that you glean from from that that well-produced program. Right, right. Well, Um, well, maybe that's the final thing to say is, insofar as I've found people who are better than me and people that are way ahead of me, what they all seem to agree on is that art plays a very small part in our life and that we, our life shouldn't be dictated yeah. by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that the wiser they are, the, the smaller a role that it plays. Mm-hmm. And that's like, not to say that true wisdom lies in, you know, the ultimate goal isn't to be a monk on a mountain. That's not what we're saying. No. Well, what they, 
what they do is they get the power of it mm-hmm. and they get the the ways it can have power over people and be uh, used powerfully for good and evil. And then they put it in its proper place, which is way down. And they're on guard. And yeah, and they're on guard. And, and insofar as they and they're not, it, they hold it lightly. Yeah, you know? really lightly. You know, it's hard to to engage with this sort of thing in, in a culture as entertainment driven, as art driven as ours has become, mm-hmm. because every everybody gets all their meaning from the art that they consume, whether it's sports or uh, movies, particular movie franchises mm-hmm. or music. That's where they get their meaning. The entertainment culture we live in, it's unavoidable. It's inescapable. We have to learn how to engage with it. And then we have to learn how to put it in its proper place. And we need people who can help us do that and who aren't afraid to step in and say, you know what? You should just, you should watch movies uh, in the, Tim, I'm going to evoke Tim Bailey here, a little bit less. (laughs) Watch, play video games a little bit less. (laughs) Engage with, your uh, neighbor favorite football team <laughs> a little bit no. less <laughs> <laughs> engage with those other things a little bit more <laughs> engage with those other things well that's how you a do it if, if you just that's set yourself right. a goal of I will engage with entertainment less then you'll probably fail but if you set yourself a goal of by God's grace I will actually learn to love my neighbor and serve in my church and stuff then maybe you'll start to do that stuff and you'll just simply have a little less <laughs> less time. That's right. That is what happens. You just end up having a little less time. That's certainly been my experience for insofar. I don't know if my experience is a universal experience, but I've never been able to put off anything without putting on something in its place. You know, I just, Hmm. the, my self-control is a function of being proactive and doing good things, not a function of denying myself. Not that I never deny myself. Self-denial as C.S. Lewis is famous for saying is not an end in itself. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we start to think that way, we get into all kinds of trouble. Right, Ben? That's right, Jake. So maybe we'll talk about that more some other time. But mm-hmm. Yep. That it would not shock me if we did. And it wouldn't shock me if we were going to play a fun alphabet-related game to close out this episode. What? Alphabet no. recommend. So we're going to tell people <laughs> oh, no. what to think by we're going to go through the alphabet and, you know, I'll say A, Ben will say B. You guys have heard the show before. You know how it works. But we each each one of the things that we say is going to be a thing that we definitely think you <laughs> should watch <laughs> as a Christian ah! attempting to engage with the arts. Oh, no. A, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> So it can't be a book, right? Or can it be a book? It can be a book or oh. music or anything. It's, it, but it's something that you think Ooh, boy. Christians should engage with. Oh, okay, I'm not going to do this sarcastically. It's forget about Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. I don't actually, that was a joke. I don't actually think Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. Oh, man. Uh, all right, let's see if we can do this. Augustine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Can't argue with right. that. There you go. Oh. The Bible. <laughs> Say the Bible. Say the, the Bible. Bible. <laughs> Calvin. I Calvin. win. We all win so far. Calvin. All right. Um, the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> no, not really. Um, das Boot. <laughs> I don't know. Something that starts with D. Darwinism. I think you should engage with it and say it's silly. <laughs> um, Edge of Tomorrow. The hit sci-fi Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> People which, definitely should engage with that's that. That's right. <laughs> Themes of moral choices and starting all over again and trying to get it right this time. <laughs> and I've had all this time 
Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. <laughs> Boo! Couldn't because mm. because if you engage with that, you'll get to engage with it alongside some really great friends who will help you know what to think and how to think on the bookening. Oh man, that should have been our beat. Well, I guess the Bible is arguably better <laughs> than the bookening, but um, gee. Groundhog Day. It's all about moral choices and starting over and getting it right again. Wow, that's kind of similar to mine. <laughs> I think yours is rather similar to Groundhog oh, yeah. Day. Might right. be the Maybe. correct way of putting that. Maybe a little influence there. H. Found its way. H. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. No! <laughs> the book. The Desolation of the Smaug. Book. The Hobbit. The book. I, huh? Mm-hmm. What'd you say? <laughs> the Incredibles. <laughs> Really good movie. <laughs> All right, fine, Ben. You win. Oh, there's got to be something better. <laughs> All right, fine. Incredibles. The Incredibles. A lot of people's favorite Pixar movie. Not mine, but I do like it. All right. Um, Jay, Jimmy John's, The Wonderful Sandwich Emporium. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> King Arthur, The Legend of. <laughs> 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 I just said King Arthur. Okay, That's you all. just okay. Fine. That's a good place for that sentence to end. L, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> there you're going to be a jerk and say Legend of the Sword. <laughs> oh, I thought about it for right, sure. J K L M. Uh, the Matrix. No, we can't quite say The Matrix. Um, Mad Max Fury Road. No. The Mask, starring Jim Carrey. No. Uh, Muppets. The Muppets. The Muppets take Manhattan. Cool. The Muppet Christmas Carol. All right. Good Muppet movies. Muppets. Yes. Yeah. I like both of those. N. Nine Inch Nail. No. <laughs> John Knox. K. With a silent K. John Newton. Newtonian physics. John Newton, author of Amazing Grace. <laughs> Oh, Out of Our Minds, a channel at warhornmedia.com. <laughs> P. Is there anything Warhorn related that's P? Practical Ecclesiology. Practical Ecclesiology, a podcast that I hope is out by the time this episode, a fine Warhorn podcast you could be listening to right now. Yeah. I might have said Pride and Prejudice if I read it. Also Pride and Prejudice, a wonderful novel by Jane Austen. The Quiet Man. The Quiet Man, which I've still never seen. <laughs> and you should. Quantum Leap. Uh. <laughs> the Quiet Man. <laughs> um, I'm our Rogue Justice. Rogue Justice, a fine podcast coming soon to a listening device near you from Warhorn Media. Sound of Sanity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whoa, we're going to fill up the alphabet one of these days, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're working on it. <coughs> the, world the world we made. Oh, the <laughs> world we made. Another five. We should save that podcast. one for world, for W. Yeah, we should. Tim Bailey. <laughs> the Motherload. The Motherload. The Bookening. Turden. <laughs> Institutes of Atlantic Theology. Turden, the great Genevan theologian. For right. Calvin. There, there we go. go. You, should I be like Ursinus or something? <laughs> the Universe Next Door. That worldview mm, book from the 1980s no. that a bunch of Christians mm. bought. No. Um... Universal Soldier, starring Dolph Lundgren, John Hogman, the Untouchables, The Usual Suspects, not seen. United ninety three, not seen. Unforgiven. The book Unbroken is a pretty awesome biography. I know a lot of people like that. It's yeah. I've never read.
read of it. Read it. Read of it. <laughs> don't know anything about it really. I've listened. I've heard almost the whole book on audiobook. It's great. It's just super intensely brutal in a few some spot. Well, actually, for a long stretch because he's in a concentration camp. More brutal than I mean. You couldn't let your kids listen to a lot of the stuff in there. But it's an amazing book about a man who becomes a Christian. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Ben speak for me here and recommend Unbroken, <laughs> which ben, I do. All right, Ben is the terrible person if it's bad. Um, I'm gonna get stuck with X now. Star Wars Episode V: The Empire Strikes Back. Whoa! I like how you did that. Watership down. Watership down by Richard Adams. Triple X, triple X, <laughs> triple X. Vin Diesel. That's what I should have said for V. If you had some deep cut theologian or something like that, that would Pope be... Leo the tenth, <laughs> the X. <laughs> yeah, Pope Leo, our, our our hero on Sound of Sanity, Pope Leo X. <laughs> Everything that Martin Luther wrote against Pope Leo X. <laughs> <laughs> it's always as good as The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars Episode V. All right, X Y. I might recommend Yankee Doodle Dandy, starring Jim's James Cagney, directed by Michael Curtiz, who also directed Casablanca, which we talked about a couple episodes ago. But that's not Ben's recommendation, unless he really can't think of anything, but I imagine he can. Wait a minute, you're why? You're why. Oh, I am? Oh, okay. I I might recommend Yankee Doodle Dandy, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. That's my recommendation. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. The Last City of Zed. The Zootopia. No. Zootopia is such a wretched... Piece of I've garbage. not seen either of those. Zero Hour. Zero Dark Thirty. Zwingli. You want to go Reformers? Uh, not such a fan of the Zwingli. Not a fan of the Zing- Zwingli. Uh, we gave Sound of Sanity a recommendation over Shakespeare. <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> I think that's fair. We definitely did not do The World We Made for W, whoever had that. The World We Made. Pronounced with a C. Ben recommended Westworld or something like that, wasn't it? Did you recommend Westworld? No, Watership Down. For Watership w. Down. Some of these recommendations may be silly. Z. Zebras. Zeros. Zounds. Zion. Zion? Is there something with Zion in the chat? Zup. Zoe. Is that you, Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> ZZ Top. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please do, man. I hate ZZ Top. Zany. Are there any famous Zacks besides Zachary Quinto and Snyder? <laughs> Zack Snyder movies, Ben. You know you want to. Zach Morris. Saved by the Bell, man. You have 60 seconds, at which point your answer will become Zachary or uh, Zach Snyder movies. <laughs> Setting the clock right now. All right. And go. World War Z, Dragon Ball Z, Jay-Z. Twenty seconds, do-do-do, twenty seconds right. till it's Zendaya. Zendaya. 
or Zendaya. Uh, Dragon Ball Z, a heartwarming Japanese family show about growing up and learning to fight monsters and then fighting monsters some more and then learning to power up and then fight some monsters and then powering up and then continuing to power up while you fight more monsters and then fighting monsters over 10 episodes at a time. And really, I mean, what else do I need to say to recommend that to you? Is there a better metaphor for the Christian life? I don't think so. Yeah, it answers itself. Uh, thanks for listening to Sound of Sanative, folks. Be sure to go to warhornmedia.com. Check it out. Read everything there. Browse the whole website. Find old articles by Jacob Mensel and other fine writers that write for Warhorn Media. Maybe click on the Give button. Maybe put in a credit card number and make a tax-deductible donation to Warhorn Media. Anything else they should be doing this fine month of January, Jake? Did you throw the pastor's conference in there just now? No, no, I didn't. Uh, they should be uh, registering for our pastor's conference. And they can go to warhornmedia.com to do that? That's right. The Good Fight, Conflict in Christian Ministry, featuring pastors Tim Bailey, Toby Sumter, and Max Carell. You do not have to be a current um, employed minister to come to this conference in any way, shape, or form. Although if you are, we definitely want you to be there. Yes, you know, you definitely should. But if you're someone who aspires to those roles or who fills those roles in a way that doesn't require you to actually wear a white collar, then please come and learn all about conflict, something that we never deal with. Something that no. our church, I don't think we've never had never. any kind of conflict. We are no. nice people. This is completely hypothetical. I'm a nice but, guy. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. Should Max there be and conflict Tim that and... would arise some way, somehow, we, we might want some hypothetical ways of dealing with it. Right. Well, excommunicate yeah. the people causing the conflict, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Isn't, even... that, isn't that what killing with kindness means? No, maybe that's not right. I don't even remember now. My question is you guys, you think that that Toby, you think he, he has conflict in his church? No. no, probably I've not. never been through any conflict. But they'll be able to say some nice hypothetical things about conflict, and maybe it'll be helpful if there's any sinners yeah. that have conflict in their churches, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, our churches, because there aren't any sinners. Right. And the pastors, like myself, aren't right. sinners. No. No conflict. That's but, why we're such a but good uh, resource. That's why, you're, that's why you're listening to right. us, is because you are, and, you know, that's right. why you should come. You don't want to listen to sinners. I mean, why would you want to do that? Might as well just roll around in mud with Ben Sulzer. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I don't either. I just saw him and I thought I could insult Ben with the end of this sentence. And so why not? <laughs> I just, Got a why, little opening at the end of this sentence. Might as well see if we can insult Ben. It's always nice to do multiple things with a sentence. That's one thing that we like to do as not sinners. So come to the good conflict. Um, come to the good conflict. <laughs> the good fight. <laughs> come to the good fight. Uh, come to that pastor's conference, if you please. Uh, registration information at warhornmedia.com. Go there today. And thank you very much much for listening to the Sound of Sanity, which was engineered by Benjamin Salzer, produced by Nathan Oberson, executive produced like all fine Warhorn products by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Oberson. Until next time, folks, stay sane. Stay sane.